Violet Church and I explore haunted high schools, ghost ships, a real-life Lovecraftian space anomaly, a cryptid kept secret by the Nazis, and more. You're listening to Eddie B's Horror Show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today we have round two of strange, creepy, and unexplained happenings from real life featuring Violet Church. This is episode nine, and it was supposed to be the Halloween episode, but I got delayed. Then it was going to be the Dia de Muertos episode, but I got delayed again. Then it was supposed to be the Election Day episode, but I voted for Cthulhu, and he didn't win, and I got really bummed out. So I'm going back to my original plan, a happy Halloween! Belated Halloween, but happy Halloween nonetheless. This is the Halloween asterisk episode, so buckle up for some scary stories from real life. Violet Church joins us again, and I've mentioned it before. I drink to loosen up when I record, so we were drinking, as usual, and at least I got a little tipsier than I intended, and I may have gotten a little annoying by the end. I don't know. I annoyed myself on playback, so that's all I know for sure. So, sorry about that. We're going to skip the scary stories and haikus today. Uh, I don't have any fresh material anyway. And, uh, I mean, this whole episode is about scary real-life stories, so... Kind of redundant. I'm also super lazy, so there's that. Alright, without further ado, here are some more terrifying true events with Violet Church. Hi everybody, welcome back to the show. I have Violet Church here with me again today, and we are going to be talking about some real-life scary things that happened in history. And or weird things. Weird things. So at least the ones that, I, that I'm going to talk about are on the, on the spoopy side. Spoopy? Spoopy. If you listen to the show, you know that I say that a lot. Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> I have a job. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> it's more than just podcasting. All right. So you say. So I'm going to be talking about one thing that is just a weird happening. I'm going to talk about what is probably a secret society. And then I have a cryptid I'd like to talk about. Alright, so I have a, um, a haunted place in Texas. Awesome. Our home state, so gotta represent. Mm-hmm. And... This is the first time that I've mentioned that we're in Texas. But Sorry. That's alright. I mean, was it a secret? That. You can take that out if you want to. I'm not gonna edit it out. It's, we're in Texas. Alright. <laughs> um, a, a, a suicide-inducing bridge in Scotland. Spooky. And a void in space. Ooh, that sounds interesting. You want to go first? All right, sure. So let's talk about Texas first, because as I'm sure y'all all know, Texas is the best. <laughs> the right. use of the y'all there. Yeah. Um, it just comes natural, so. All right, so the it's the mo- one of the most haunted places in Texas, supposedly, if you believe that kind of thing. Um, El Paso High School. So it was briefly called Sam Houston High School uh, during the 20s, but it was re- was, went back to being called El Paso High School. It was built in 1916 and named the Lady on the Hill. 
so it was super opulent like and like even still today like the the floors are marble the classroom floors are like real wood floors so like if you've been to public high school you know most high schools aren't like that yeah this is bougie for high school so um throughout its long history um the hospital has it's not the hospital the high school has been repurposed to serve a couple of different though it's still a working high school like it's served a couple of different um, roles in the community. So one was a morgue during the World Wars. It's overflow. Uh, so like creepy, right? Yeah. Um, it has Some a huge history, right? It has a huge basement. So it was being used as a morgue during the Spanish flu and the Second World War. So um, then one of the creepiest things is that there, um, like, there's a lot of places ap- apparently to explore in the high school. Like if you've ever been in an old building, especially like an old institutional building, like you definitely. There's definitely, like, you know, halls that kind of seem to go nowhere and, like, random staircases or whatever. Right. And so, um, like, I don't know what they were doing in the, in the 19-teens. I'm not quite that old, but when I was younger, I, I used to do the urban exploration thing. And I, with some friends and I used to go into really old buildings like that. And, and we found, like, boarded up, or not, not like, bricked over uh, tops of stairwells and things like that. Well, funny you should mention that because some stuff like that exists in this high school. So people have found um, whole classrooms that are sealed off and like you can like see through the window there's like there's stuff still in the classrooms like possessions on the desk and stuff like that like it right. wholesale hasn't been like disturbed like no one came back and got their stuff like there's one there's like one article that talks about how like there's still trash in the trash cans like they didn't empty the trash or whatever they just sealed these rooms up right and didn't use them again and like like no in one, a hurry yeah okay there's no explanation why like no, no they, don't, they don't have any <laughs> like they, no one's been able to find like a legit answer from like the school administration the school board no like no one knows why these yeah. rooms are sealed but up nobody decided to mark it down when the walls started bleeding right and everybody knows that <laughs> So there's a there's like stairwells that are bricked over. Um, one in particular, there is a there was a uh, a balcony in the school that a young girl slit her wrists and jumped off the balcony at school. Yikes! And so her spirit is said to haunt the school. Uh, people, many like teachers and students have reported seeing her. But like the the way to get to that balcony has been like completely bricked off. I mean, that's not that's not the only place that's been bricked off. So like people have like. Uh, explored and kind of gotten into bricked off places like they're you know crumbles or whatever like yeah. uh, and they reported seeing like slime coming down the walls and mist that come you know that that roves through the the bricked off areas and stuff like that oh, yeah. um i mean slime in an old building is nothing new but it's still creepy and gross yeah, yeah. anyway i mean mist that roams the halls is definitely <laughs> I never saw anything like that whenever I checked out all the bedding buildings. Um, and so, one of the, I mean, like, there's another famous ghost story. There's a class picture taken in 1985. Um, the year I was born. Yeah. Um, anyway, and the graduating class, and then there's, like, in the row of teachers, there's a young woman in a white dress. And it has the pair, you know, there's a picture. Like, if you Google this high school, you can see the picture. I think it looks creepy. Edward over here is unconvinced. I mean, it, it's if you look at it, 
and think of a, a spooky story when you look at it. It's spooky. I think it it just looks like the girl moved. Maybe she sneezed or something. I mean, the, I know, but it's not blurred. Her head's tiny. Well, her I know, head but, is tiny. Look at the picture. But I know it is. It looks and if you kind of move, tiny. then you your head would be bigger because they you would be in you would be in the exposure in a yeah. wider area. But I mean, but look at this guy. I don't know here. how you make your head tiny though. Look at the guy, you know, up and to the right. His he, head's not tiny. His head's not tiny, but he's sort of blurred in the same way. But his head is not tiny. You're right. His head isn't tiny. <laughs> and her head what about is like what about the lady right next to him? She's got no face. She does do have a face. That's what it looks like. She has no. Face. I'm just saying, like the picture quality. I'm sorry. I'm not trying try to crap on your spooky story. You are crapping on my spooky story. Her head's tiny. There, she's a ghost, okay. basically. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> if you want to see the picture for yourself, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay, so, and, like, let him know that you agree with me, basically, is what this is about. <laughs> you can message me on uh, edwardvillanova.com slash contact. Okay. All right, so the, uh, yeah, so you can still, like, I mean, I guess they, you can still, you can visit the high school. Like, it's a working high school, so I'm not sure how that would go down. Shit, really? Yeah, it's still high school. <laughs> uh, that's you get some street cred for going to that high school. I guess a beta, uh, old Beto Beto Rook graduated from here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's your problem. <laughs> anyway, so I like it says you can visit it, but I like access isn't easy. Yeah, I mean, I used to, I've uh, I used to teach in high school, and I'm pretty sure that if someone came to our high school and was like, yeah, we just want to look around, they would be like, no. <laughs> so, I don't think you can visit it. Especially but maybe just drive by. Place. If you're ever in El Paso, drive by. Take a look at it. <laughs> Hold your breath when you ride by on your bicycle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start out with the story of the Orang Medan. Uh, the Orang Medan is a ship that was discovered, I guess, in uh, June of 1947. There was a ship called the City of Baltimore sailing through the Straits of Malacca, and uh, they picked up an SOS message that they relayed to the Coast Guard. The message was, SOS Orang Medan, we float. All officers, including Captain, dead. Bodies in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. Then after that were several minutes of nonsense gibberish Morse code, then silence for about ten minutes. Ten minutes after that, I die. <laughs> so the Coast Guard sent out a message to all uh, U.S. vessels in the area asking for someone to investigate. The nearest U.S. vessel was the merchant ship, the Silver Star. The Silver Star res responds, and they go check out this super creepy ship. Oh, yeah, also the the Coast Guard, they figured out where the ship had trans transmitted the Morse code from by, like, triangulating between two Morse code relay stations. Uh, I thought it was cool that they could do that and figure out where it came from. But, anyway. So, so was it in, so the Straits of, what is it, of Malacca? Malacca. That's where City of Baltimore picked up the message. Okay, so that's between Malaysia and Indonesia in case... You had to look it up. I looked it up for you because I didn't know where it was. Awesome. So they go and they check it out. 
and they find... Oh, also, the Coast Guard tried to look up this ship in their records, because it said Orang Medan in the, uh, in the SOS message, and there was no listing for the Orang Medan. So they thought maybe it was a mistake in the message. The, the person typing it out obviously seemed to not be all there with all the gibberish. Right. Um, but when the Silver Star showed up at the location, they found a ship drifting... There was no power to the engines, and written on the side was Orang Medan. They tried to hail several times by radio and Morse code. There was no answer, uh, so they decided to board. And when they got on board, they found the Morse code guy wasn't lying. <laughs> they were all dead. They were rigamortized, and they all looked like they had died in terror. Like, their, their faces were all twisted up. They all looked like they were screaming. Some of them were Thanks hiding under tables. Thanks for taking the time to record all of this horribleness. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I'm talking just... to the people at the Silver Star. Like, thank, oh, thanks yeah. for pausing to be like, they all looked super scared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even the dog, there was a dog on the ship, was, was dead and like frozen in a snarl. They found the captain standing upright at the helm of the ship, dead. He was just rigamortized, however you say that, standing there at the helm. Some of them were holding what looked like makeshift weapons, like uh, things they could be using as clubs. But yeah, they were all dead. Some were standing. Some were they cowering. Some of them had superficial blunt force wounds. They didn't take a whole lot of time figuring out how everybody died, but the majority of them didn't have any obvious injuries. Despite it being 100 degrees that day, the interior of the ship, especially below decks, was ice cold, and they couldn't figure out why, but the crew started feeling sick. The crew of the Silver Star started feeling sick, and they said that they were hearing whispers from a point they could not, you know, they couldn't find the origin of. So they were freaked out. Sorry, got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they decided the best thing to do was, instead of hold it there for the Coast Guard to arrive, they were going to tow it back to port and get the fuck off that ship. Uh, but they, after they secured tow lines and, and they were towing it back to port, they were only in tow for a few minutes, about five to ten minutes, when smoke started rising from somewhere below decks. And, and the other ship in the... In the Orang Medan. And a giant explosion burst the hole, and it sank. The crew of the Silver Star had to rush to release the tow cables or get dragged to the bottom of the sea with the Orangmanan. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So this gets even crazier. <laughs> what? All this is documented on the log of the Silver Star. There's logs of it with the Coast Guard. But because there was no record of the ship ever existing, and there seems to be no trace of it now, or you know, any trace of it's at the bottom of the ocean. A lot of people have sort of written this off as a ghost story, at least until 2003, when dun, dun, dun. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of documents were declassified from the CIA. And between 1948, the year after this happened, and 1952, the Orang Medan is mentioned several times in recently declassified CIA documents, which are still heavily redacted. One of the most interesting things is that some of these documents 
refer to the cargo of the of the Orangbadan and the nature of the cargo, which was never determined by the Silver Star. Some people think that they went and they salvaged the Orangbadan from the bottom of the sea. Some people think that they doctored the the records to say that it sank and there's no trace of it when they actually towed it back and they found something in the cargo hold. Does it talk about, like, what what did they say was, like, the nature of the, of the cargo? Uh, uh, what they say, they, they mention the nature of the cargo, or somebody, somebody mentions the nature of the cargo, but they never say what the cargo was, uh, or even what, what type of cargo it was. Probably a creepy demon, though. Probably. That sounds about right. Uh, what was it then? Well, I I have a pretty good idea of what it was. What? You have to wait a minute. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this wasn't reported until 1952. There was a man who washed up on the shore of the island Teongi Atoll, and there was a uh, a missionary there from Italy named Silvio. Shirley, Shirley, S-C-H-E-R-L-I. <clears throat> and uh, he told the missionary that he was the sole survivor of the Orang Medan. And uh, I don't know when, when he washed up, but the missionary didn't get back to Italy and tell people about it until 1952. But he was very sick. He was dying. They couldn't figure out why he was dying. But he said that the ship had been hauling sulfuric acid, some poorly, uh, some poorly secured cargo got tossed when they hit high waves during a storm and ruptured some of the cargo. And he said that vapors from the broken containers caused people on, uh, caused the crew to have hallucinations and attack each other. Uh, some of them, they were all really sick and they were like having nightmares and all sorts of crazy hallucinations. So you don't have to be a, like a chemist to know or a doctor to know that uh, sulfuric acid doesn't do that to you. So it's speculated that this wasn't, that they were just told they were carrying sulfuric acid. Uh, a couple things I forgot to mention, which are actually pretty important, are that the place where they found the Orangutan drifting was way outside of uh, normal shipping lanes. It was over 200 miles outside of shipping lanes. The guy claiming to be the sole survivor, they, he, they never found out what his name was. They were never, never able to identify him before he died. Um, but uh, he said that they were given strict uh, instructions to avoid authority at all costs. So what some people think that this stuff was, they were actually hauling, was a, uh, a nerve toxin that was developed by the Japanese during World War II called Naron, I think is what it's called, or Narong gas. And uh, it would have to be it was maybe tweaked a little bit. It would have been more fast acting than than what they were used to, but it did cause hallucinations, and uh, specifically, it was known to cause 
like muscle muscle seizing. So they think that you know, the people were frozen in place from the effects of the gas, and then that kind of carried over into rigor mortis. So that's one of the many theories about what happened to the crew of the, the Orang Medan. I mean, it's the one that seems most plausible to me. The other ones, other theories are that everybody died of a carbon monoxide leak uh, because one of the boilers was burned out. I don't know why that would... But why would it explode? Right. Well, I mean, we, we both know it was a demon. <laughs> yeah. It was Cthulhu. Probably. They heard whispers. I know. So, yeah, that's the thing about that. Um, they think that uh, there may have been just enough of that nerve agent left below decks that... Why did it make it cold? Well, they think that they weren't... It wasn't really cold. They were feeling cold because of the gas. So it had dissipated or maybe because they didn't... Or they were descending into the first circle of hell. Maybe. That could be. <laughs> so anyway, very spooky story. I really... Thanks I really for my, making my stories look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that's... When I was looking for stories to talk about, I found that. I was like, this this one is gold. <laughs> like, this has a little bit of everything. Top that one. I can't. We'll do your best. Okay, so my next story is about the Overton Bridge in Dumbarton, Scotland. Okay. It's a bridge over a gorge in Scotland, like pretty nondescript, like nothing particular about it. Except since the 1950s, uh, hundreds of dogs have just, uh, like they've been walking with their owners and all of a sudden... They freak out and run over their edge, to the, over the edge of the gorge to their death. So this is a dog suicide bridge? Yes. <laughs> we can't laugh. It's dogs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the dogs. I hope I didn't offend any dog listeners. So local researchers say that over 300 dogs have jumped off the bridge. Like tabloid reports say it's more like 600 since the 1950s. At least 50 of the dogs have died on impact. And, like, they legit don't know why. Like, people, I mean, like, the... seeing something. <laughs> like, but they seriously don't know why. Like, there's nothing there that would... I mean, some people have kind of, like, have said, oh, well... There, there is like a large number of animal deaths, and so like the pheromones and smells in the area make dogs freak out, and then they just jump off the gorge to their death. But then why was there so many animal deaths in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. Obviously, like the local Scottish people supposedly are pretty superstitious, and so local people think that it is a, a place called a thin place which was a sacred spot for the Celts, where Earth and the afterworld, underworld, wherever, whatever is beyond, where Earth overlaps that. And so it's like a thin place in the world where the spiritual world has more influence. 
and you know it's a trope for a reason like dogs are supposed to be yeah. more sensitive to like the spiritual world right apparently local customs are are very like heavily slanted toward there being like a spiritual reason why the dogs kill themselves right off this bridge and you know like i mean it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because dogs not having well i mean i would say dogs do not have human soul you know the same level of reasoning and cognition and stuff like that that a human does right and you have to have that that level to sort of to really like commit suicide yeah you have to have that that higher level reasoning to to make that sort of decision to end your life for whatever reason that i would say dogs really don't have yeah and so it's uh, to me it's all the more like it it's all the more weird that it's an it, like it's animal centric yeah versus humans because i think that places sad places draw sad humans right and so it wouldn't be like I think that there are people that do go specific like that like forest this, yeah, in Japan. The forest. So, yeah, like people the, do the go forest. right. Yeah, the, do go like are drawn to tragic places if you're a tragic person and that you know to relive out your own tragedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not to down you know not to downplay anybody like that you know that's struggling with that, but just like it's, dogs are not that way. Like dogs yeah. don't want to live out their own tragedy or whatever. Um, dogs you know, aren't sad in general. Like, yeah, <laughs> dogs are some of the happiest creatures on the planet. So it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense. So I mean, right. just yeah. So the the ex- the other explanations are really weak, like that there's prey in the area. Or, yeah, still, but yeah. whenever you think about chasing after prey, like you usually, I mean, you would usually think that. A predator would have at least some sense of like self-preservation, <laughs> right, or something like that. Anyway, so especially if you're a dog owner, that's pretty creepy. It is dog suicide bridge. It's like bird box for dogs. Exactly. Very low, very localized bird box for dogs. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrible. All right. Okay. I feel like mine's so lame now compared to your horrifying demon ship. No, I'm sorry. My second one, uh, this is the secret society that I mentioned, probable secret society, and also maybe a cult. Is, the best uh, kind of secret society absolutely. is a cult. The, That's how they get you. And listeners of this podcast will know that I'm a big fan of things having to do with evil cults. Um, it's Cicada oh, yeah. 3301. This is a story that's gone around the internet a lot. People like to add things to it. This, as far as I can tell, is how things actually went down. So, on 4chan, in uh, January of 2012, a cryptic message showed up. Isn't that the year the world was supposed to end? It was, yeah. 2012. The year the world was supposed to end. Sorry. The Mayans, yes. I had forgotten all about that, but yes, it was. Um, the cryptic message that they that was left said, uh, Hello, we are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a hidden message in this image. Find it, and it will lead you it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few that make it all the way through. Good luck, thirty three oh one. So, if you've ever been to 4chan, you know that people... Had a job. (laughs) 
Touche. <laughs> uh, but most people that uh, frequent 4chan know that people love posting things just to waste people's time. So I'm actually kind of surprised that anybody ever bothered to actually look into this. But... Like because they don't have a job. Right, I mean, no nobody on 4chan has anything to do anyway. <laughs> Most of them are unemployed. <laughs> uh, living with their parents. And are at least 35 years old. But if you open the image file with the text editor, there was a message uh, embedded in the code. And uh, it read, Tiberius Claudius Caesar says, then a bunch of gibberish. But if you realize that, that gibberish was a Caesar cipher, and that Tiberius Claudius Caesar was the fourth emperor of Rome, you would know that each letter had to be shifted four places to get a URL. The URL would bring you to another image. The second image was a picture of a wooden duck that read, Whoops, just decoys this way. Looks like you can't guess how to get the message out. And it looked like a dead end, and a lot of people gave up there. But it was a red herring. If you notice the words guess and out were used in the message, you might be able to figure out that you needed to use the program outguess to extract a hidden message encrypted in the text from that image. Which is a program I've never even heard of before. So maybe we're if already I was, past my level of patience. I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no way. Like, because, like I said, I have other things to do with my time. Right. Even, even if <laughs> I can see maybe going into the text editor and you know going that far, and then I don't know, even figure out the Caesar cipher, I probably wouldn't have figured that out. But if somehow I did, when I came to the duck, I would have been like, okay, screw it, I don't care. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, some people ended up running the, the text throughout Guess, and uh, it led to, let me see here, uh, it led them to Reddit. So we've gone from 4chan to Reddit, and even just in doing that, I feel like most people would think there's no way there's any kind of legitimacy to this, because we're going from one time-wasting site to another. But um, it went into a subreddit about a book called the Mabinogian, uh, which is one of the oldest texts in Britain. It also provided a code that when used as a cipher with the book, decoded the book to the message, call us at US telephone number 214-390-9608. A Dallas number. It was. I noticed that. <laughs> it's a Dallas area code. What? But <laughs> it was me. <laughs> If you called that number, you would hear an automated message that says, that said, congratulations, you've done well. There are three prime numbers associated with the original JPEG image. 3301 is one of them. You will have to find the other two, multiply the three numbers together, and add a dot com on the end to find the next step. Good luck. Goodbye. Can you still call the number? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's in service. I didn't try. Maybe I should. The number is 214-390-9608. If someone answers, you have to talk to them. The number or code you have dialed is incorrect. Please check the number or code and try again. 
knowing knowing Cicada thirty three oh one, that could be a red herring. <laughs> but yeah, I figured it was probably out of service now. But uh, I just wanted to see. Yeah. Um. So by this point, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of amateur sleuths trying to figure out the mystery. Both Reddit and 4chan uh, had their own groups for comparing notes and uh, other groups outside of those online uh, communities, not only trying to follow all the clues, but also speculating on what this whole thing was. You know, some people thought it was just somebody with a lot of time on their hands, screwing around, seeing how long they could string people along. and. Other people thought it was, I mean, you know, obviously people, you know, speculate on, oh, maybe it's the NSA trying to recruit code breakers and things like that. Maybe this is some kind of terrorist cell that's trying to work against the NSA and stuff like that. So when people figured out the next clue, uh, this being the work of a lone internet troll became pretty unlikely. Unless he had a lot of money and, like, way more time than anybody ever thought. The other two prime numbers uh, that were mentioned were the actually the dimensions of the original image, 509 by 503 uh, in pixels. So 509 times 503 times 3301 equals 84514512727 at a dot com, and you get an empty browser window except for uh, a timer counting down and the image of a cicada. Is it still there? You want to try it? Yeah. All right, let's see what's there now. It is 845-145-127.com. Okay, so. buy this domain. Loki want to yeah. buy it. <laughs> yeah. <FYI. laughs> I'm kind of surprised somebody hasn't, somebody else hasn't already. Um, but yeah, it's not there anymore. It's just an empty domain page. I assume that they only paid for it for as long as they needed it. Didn't want to leave, especially if it is like a secret society or whatever. You know, they didn't want to leave traces for you know, breadcrumbs for undesirables to follow. I guess for undesirables. <laughs> but anyway, if you had gone to that website back in 2012, there would have been a timer and a picture of a cicada. And when the timer reached zero, the website displays the coordinates of several places around the world. 14 locations uh, on five different, well, in five different countries. I was gonna say on five different continents, but I don't know if that's true. On In five different countries. Were any of them in the States? Do you know where they were? Um, I didn't write it down. Yeah, there. I think only like two of them were in the US. I think one of them was in uh, Seattle. I don't remember where the other one was. So each location, there was a piece of paper with a cicada on it, uh, taped usually to a wall, or sometimes they were under benches or on telephone poles. And if you took it, on the back side was a QR code, and there was only one. So it was clearly meant for people to find and take with them, because they only wanted one person from each location to find it. You found that, and you scanned the QR code, it would lead you to <laughs> another book and another cipher, which led to a website. Only the first ones to scan the QR code were let in. So if anybody else scanned that same QR code, it wouldn't work for them. So each was like one-time use. Um, so once so it was like five people? 14. Oh, 14, okay. It was a chat room. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and only of those first 14 people in. And once those 14 people were logged in, anybody that tried to go to that site afterward, uh, it would they would just get a message that said, uh, we want the best, not the followers. So, Ouch. Yeah. In other words, too slow, dum-dum. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> That's kind of where this ends. Uh, at least this this portion of the puzzle ends. Um, because we don't really know what happened to those 14 people. We don't know um, who they were or what happened to them. They're probably the, dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that's what all this was. This was just... <laughs> A very elaborate ruse to randomly... <laughs> it's a serial killer that set this up. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there there are people who claim to have been one of the 14 and have varying stories of uh, you know being contacted by some shady, secretive people and told to wait for something or whatever. But... We don't really have any way of verifying that. The, that. No one has any, like, screenshots of the chat room or anything? There are screenshots of the chat room, yeah. Like, of the people in it? I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, actually, I guess I don't know if that's... If the screenshots are for real either, you know? You fabricate something and say that it's... You don't let 14 people in, you know? True. <clears throat> but, anyway. So, that's... That ends there. But that's not the only time that Cicada 3301 has done this. There was another time, about a year afterward, in 2013, that I didn't really go, I didn't really do a whole lot of research on because it looked like it was just about the the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. The clues were different, the books were different, but yeah, it, it worked out about the same. But in 2014, this happened again and things got a lot uh, more culty like religion-y it posted a 4chan like they always start out with hello epiphany is upon you your pilgrimage has begun enlightenment awaits good luck 3301 uh, running that <clears throat> that image through outguess just like always produced a book reference and a cipher the book was self-reliance and other essays by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, Using the cipher with the book produced a link. The link led to another book. And this book was the Liber Primus. Liber Primus means first book in uh, Latin, I guess. Mm -hmm. And apparently this book was written by Cicada 3301. So it's like out there in the world? It is. Um, You can... You can find scanned pages of it online. People ended up with uh, actual hard copies of this book. It's very difficult to read. Um, it's written in the runic alphabet. And uh, it can be translated with an old cipher uh, from the, the second game that they put out in 2013. So If you want to buy it, you can buy it on Amazon for $13. Yeah, yeah, I, I found that too. Um... I don't really want to try learning the runic alphabet, though. Like, I don't care that much. But I guess some people did, because a lot of people learned the runic alphabet and uh, 
large portions of it have been translated, but there's actually still portions of it that are, I think, only 70% of it has been translated. So, a lot of it is not even readable right now. The translated pages are really cryptic, just like everything that uh -huh. Cicada does. And um, so even if you translate it, it's still pretty hard to figure out what they're talking about. While everything up to this point has been science-based or you know, like based in just figuring out ciphers and not really having a, a message to it, um, this has a very, at least philosophical, if not religious, context to it. Mm -hmm. So one translated page reads, Most things are not worth preserving. We follow dogma so we can go along and be right. Or we follow reason so we can belong and be right. There's nothing to be right about or to belong in. To belong is death. It is the behaviors of consternation, preservation, adherence. Weird. I mean, it sounds very nihilistic, at least. Oh, there's pictures of the original oh, yeah. flyer. Right. That's pretty cool. That was in Poland. So anyway, there are other there are ciphers within the encoded text in the book. So like puzzles within puzzles, and um, some of those have been figured out, others have not. So you have to like look at the book. So you buy it on Amazon, you're not going to be able to see like the metadata then. What do you mean? So you have to look at it online to see the puzzles within the puzzles. Well, you could type it out, I guess. Like, okay, there's one link that you can decipher leads to a song that was composed by Cicada 3301, if you'd like to Google it. People have studied this song and a few others that um, that have been linked to through the Libra Primus, and I think they've sort of been able to like. There's there are some interesting uh, things about them, like note progressions or you know beats or whatever that seem like they could mean something, I guess. But I don't. It could just be. It was you know, recorded you, crappily. Yeah. <laughs> if you look hard enough at anything, you can see patterns and. You know, yeah. Who knows? Maybe. The real secret behind Cicada 3301 is that he's trying to get his album launched or whatever. <laughs> the Libra Primus is 74 pages. Uh, I was wrong. I said 70% has been has been translated. That that's not right. Uh, 74 pages, but only 19 of them have been deciphered. So it is largely a book that nobody has been able to read. Every year. Cicada put another puzzle out on 4chan, but in 2015, instead of introducing a new puzzle, Cicada posted the following to 4chan. 
Uh, hello, the path lies empty. Epiphany seeks the devoted. Liber Primus is the way. The words are the map. They're meaning the road, and their number is the direction. Seek, and you will be found. Good luck, 3301. And ever since then, there haven't been any more puzzles. And I guess because no one's figured out the Libra Primus yet. There, the account is not inactive on 4chan. Every once uh -huh. in a while, they'll post something else. Um, usually just prompting people to keep studying the Libra Primus. Um, and occasionally other things, like uh, one message they've actually posted a few different times, one in 2017, or tw twice in 2017 and once in 2019, uh, beware false paths, always verify PGP signature from 7835090F, signed 3301. So, their unique encryption code. So, to make sure nobody else is pretending to be them or whatever. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, secret society, religious cult, NSA recruitment operation. If if the government's doing this, then all I would like to say is, could you please stop wasting our tax dollars on this? <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. Um, I mean, also, like, some people have... Um, have noted that even though it seems unlikely that it's only one person doing this, it's not outside the realm of possibility. I don't think so either, and because all they had to do is fly. I mean, like, if you have... Like, okay, I can't fly to five different countries right now. Yeah. Fourteen different places, but... I mean, there are definitely people that could. Yeah. I mean, like, I know several people that could do that. Yeah. And just to tape a piece of paper somewhere, like, how hard is that? Right. And not to mention that um, all of the locations were uh, within, I think they said, a, like a 20-minute drive of an airport. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a little bit telltale right there. But also, uh, even though it's unlikely that one person would do this, even if they could, um, there is a number of services where you can just hire somebody to go stick a flyer somewhere. For a pretty small amount of money. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it. I think it's unlikely that it's only one person, but it's definitely possible that it's only one person or a group of people who are all in one location or whatever. I feel like they've they've gone to some unnecessary lengths to make it seem like this is a, like a global thing going on when really it's just probably a handful of people. I don't think it's a cult. What do you think the Libra Primus is? A giant steam pile of bullshit. <laughs> well, I mean, I do too. I feel I like... I think it's the same as everything else that they've done. It's a puzzle. Yeah. Why, so, why suddenly with the religious theme? I mean, it didn't... I know you said that the other themes had like a sign, but like, I feel like they had like a programming slant to them. Yeah. But you think about like writing a book of nonsense. Oh, I mean, you had to you had to think logically to to even figure out that some of those things were puzzles. Right. So I, I just, I mean, 
I feel like that what seems what seems like to me is they they have this book of nonsense but you know it's written in runes like that gives like gravity to it like the presentation yeah. gives gravity to what they're saying yeah so but if you like step back like their little cryptic tweet tweet or whatever about you know the whatever the message or the that the book is the is the map or whatever all they're really saying is we can't you know we're not doing anything else until someone figures the book out right that's all that that's all that they're saying yeah. like but they you know but you think about presentation the medium is part of the message yeah and so it just is like so you think that it's not really it's not really a religious message they're trying to convey they're just kind of jacking off to how mysterious they are I mean I don't even know that I think we made a bunch of puzzles but I think that if you put something in a Latin book of runes then it gives gravity to it if you if, I mean like th- this has happened before where they like they find like ancient carvings and blah 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 blah, blah but it really is like bro is here I got a big dick or whatever I mean like yeah. I mean like it's just like super like banal things that people write but that it's like this huge discovery because it's carved into the cornerstone of this cathedral or whatever but right. it really is it's nothing and so I mean if you I mean anybody could make up a cryptic sounding phrase that then if you present it in a certain way like it's it has more meaning to it so yeah Hitler did that too like he had swastikas and like engraved into like intermingled with hieroglyphics and things like that in Egypt and to try to make it seem like it was a like he didn't just make it up in 1936 it was a thing that's been around for centuries uh good good job (laughs) but but yeah so like I don't know I mean they they they're i would also say they obviously want to step up their game and so you know they they're gonna have to step outside the realm of like if they're if they're the that's that's like if you like kind of think about the things that people are trying to do in order to decipher the book or whatever they're trying they're gonna try to look at the past and and let let what they've done in the past inform what they're doing now but if yeah. you didn't, if you wanted to prevent that from happening, you need to take a hard lift and do something completely different. And that's what it looks like that they've done, like making this book, you know, make it completely different. They're plumbing something, the depths of something that they have never done before. Well, it's just gonna it it re- kind of resets the clock on all this stuff because, you know, if you you know that. You know, if you if you were able to do it before, then you may not be able to do it now because it's a completely different ball game. Right. Okay. I guess we'll probably never know unless one or both of us decide to try to figure out the Libra Primus. I'm not going to do that. Me either. I have a job. I just think. I mean, I like, got scary stories to write. I don't. Want to. <laughs> I feel like. If they were an evil cult, then you you would know. I mean, like things like that don't stay hidden. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I don't. I know I said evil cult before. I don't necessarily think they're an evil cult, but it you know it had some culty vibes to it to me, and uh, a cult maybe maybe they're 
I mean, maybe they don't even believe what they're trying to preach, but it see it felt to me like they were at least trying to get the ball rolling on some kind of religious cult. Even hoping that someone would establish one, like, in their honor or whatever. <laughs> I think it's more likely that they're trying to... Jack off to how mysterious they are. No, I'm not saying that. I think it's more likely that they're trying to... You know, to make it to do something different in order to make it harder to solve the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Try to keep it fresh. Okay. This is probably not. I mean, this is not as creepy as some of the other ones. Okay. But like, it's more creepy and like sort of an esoteric kind of we are tiny, the universe is freaking giant, and then like. Okay, whenever you, horror. Right, yeah. That So, I mean, the kind of horror that I feel whenever I go outside and I remember reading The Color Out of Space and just yeah. that, like, the whole universe is kind of pressing down on me and I'm out here alone by myself and H.P. Lovecraft is going to raise up out of his grave and get me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like that kind of horror. So whenever you, like, if you've ever gone stargazing or what, you know, like, super into space whenever I was a kid so yep. like I dressed up as an astronomer whenever I was in third grade for like that's what I wanted to be when I grew up and so spent a lot of time looking up at the stars and whenever you are out in the middle of nowhere looking up at the stars I mean the the sky is just full you know what I mean yeah like you definitely get the impression I mean like uh, people have said it m- many times before like there's so the universe is so big there's so much out there like, how could we be alone? Like, that's the justification for thinking of that. There's aliens or whatever. Right. So, but the reality is actually kind of creepier that the vast majority of space is empty. And right. there are great big gigantic voids where there is just nothing there. And I, um, you know, this is like a huge area of like astrophysics research and stuff like that because there's all kinds of, like, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of dark energy and stuff like that. So there's a lot of like mathematical research happening in, in this field and studying these voids. So like obviously physicists are like, this is cool, not creepy at all. But if you think about it from an esoteric sense, like when you look up at the sky, you feel like the universe is full, but their universe is not full at all. And there's yeah. so much, um, like, you know, so a big, one of the big things I found, um, is the, uh, the Boots Void, and so it's 280 million light years in diameter, and, um... Wow, that's big even for space. Yeah. And so, basically, they're scientists, so it's also, it's growing, Oh, okay. So all of the voids that the scientists have found are steadily growing. Okay. And so, pushing outward against the galaxies around them. Okay. So I think I heard something about this before. This is like the the bubble of nothing theory. Yes. Okay. And so um yeah, and like the bubble of nothing is like consuming things around it. Right. So and, and like consuming it into the void. Okay. So <laughs> So this bubble of nothing, this void is, is, is consuming and kind of canceling out things that are there. Like we've lost, like since they've been discovered, we have lost galaxies. Like you know, we have lost them, but we don't, we can't see them anymore. They're not, 
yeah. perceivable, even by like the you know telescopes or anything like that. They're not; those galaxies are not perceivable because they've been lost to the void. Right. So these ever expanding bubbles are gobbling up known space and consigning it to the void. That's crazy. It's kind of and, creepy. And so, terrifying. Yeah, so, I mean, like, there's a lot of super technical stuff, and if you're an astrophysicist, maybe, like, don't at me if I got it wrong or whatever, <laughs> but, because I'm not an astrophysicist, but it's just really, it's really interesting. There's lots of, like, lots of math and new discoveries, like, going on in this field, because they feel like that maybe, you know, obviously, we want to focus on the light, but they're, like, they're focusing on, like, the abyss as far as, like, new fe- new research opportunities to kind of discover the meaning of the universe and how it was created and stuff like that. But... Yeah. I mean, pretty creepy when you think about it. Yeah. That's probably yeah. where the color of space came from, was the void. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> If you have existential horror or like extreme agoraphobia, don't think about this when you go outside at night. Yeah, if if you like the way that H.P. Lovecraft makes you feel, go ahead and think about this and look up at the stars. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna move on to uh, my cryptid, which uh, I think was. It's a very interesting cryptid when I heard about it. I had never heard about this one before, and I'm kind of a cryptid guy, but this is the story. Tell what a cryptid is. Okay, so a cryptid is a um, a creature or a, more or less an animal. Not usually anything paranormal, but something that some people have either seen or they have reason to believe exists. But there's no proof of it. Uh, and it's usually sort of like a, a, a one-off, like a mutant creature or something like that. Like Lechusa? Like Lechusa, like like Chupacabra. Those are... Right. I mean, Lechusa has some spiritual elements. It's an owl witch that snatches up bad kids. Right. That could be a natural world thing. <laughs> but... Yeah, like Chupacabra, like Bigfoot, like uh, the Loch Ness Monster... So this is the story of Hitler's micropenis. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound um, like Bigfoot. It's not. It's the opposite of Bigfoot. It's tiny penis. So um, obviously this is speculation, and it's very possible that this originated from a song that American GIs made up about Hitler. But uh, there is some interesting evidence to suggest that it existed. <laughs> um, like that he had one? That he had a micropenis, yes. Um, I don't think that fits the definition of cryptid. <laughs> well, uh, it might be stretching the definition a little bit, but when you take it down to <laughs> what a cryptid is, fundamentally, I think it fits the bill. There is evidence that it existed, and I'll let you know what the documentation is on that. Okay, let's lay it out here. Okay, so it's it's known, it's well known that Hitler had uh, one undescended testicle. Is that that's well known? It's it's known. It's it's a verified like they they knew that. Did you learn about that in school? Like yes, <laughs> I did. 
uh, when Time, you know, Time Magazine's uh, Person of the Year, when it was Adolf Hitler, they mentioned that that he had an undescended testicle. Uh, That's but, what I would put in my Time Magazine interview. <laughs> so it couldn't be descended even with surgery. I, why I don't know, but um, so that sometimes accompanies micropenis. Don't he, act embarrassed. You're the one. This is your story. I'm not embarrassed. I'm just saying micropenis a lot. And it's, I'm making myself uncomfortable. <laughs> You're making all of us uncomfortable. Is anyone? Is anyone ever excited to talk about a micropenis? Everybody's. Everybody's just going. All right. We. That's enough of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so he was smallish. Uh, he was five eight and one hundred and forty pounds, a little on the small side for a guy. Uh, and uh, he couldn't grow a beard. He tried growing a beard, and um, some people think the reason why he had the only in the middle mustache was because he couldn't even grow a full mustache. Um, which would suggest that he had unusually high estrogen, which is one of the causes of micropenis. So, in utero, high <laughs> estrogen can cause two different kinds of birth defects. One is a malformed penis where the urethra is located at the base of the penis instead of at the tip. And the other is micropenis. So he served in the German army in World War One, and his uh, commanding officer during training noted in the logbook that he sat down to pee, and which actually falls in line with either of those two things: either his urethra was in the wrong spot, or he had a micropenis. <laughs> They didn't surgically correct the urethra at that time? Uh, at the time, they couldn't correct it. They, couldn't. they can now. Yeah, I know they can now. Uh, oh, hypospa hypospadiosis? Is the, that's, that con that's the condition where the, the dick hole's in the wrong spot. Uh, <laughs> urethral meatus. Yeah, there you go. That thing. So... I feel like there's compelling evidence that Hitler had a micropenis. What do you think? I'm just, I'm just sad that somebody spent the time thinking this much about his dick. Well, that's this guy. Just thinking about Hitler's dick all day long. Congratulations. Thanks. If that's not a horrifying horror note to end the podcast on, <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, just letting everybody remember what uh, what they signed up for. <laughs> feeling pretty good about my stories now. <laughs> I mean, you started off strong, but you ended pretty weak. Somewhere in between Orangbadan and Hitler's micro penis, you're good with being in that, that spectrum Yeah, that somewhere. zone. That yeah. zone. Probably a little closer. Like, I want to be kind of as far away from Hitler's micro penis as I can. <laughs> as I'm sure we all would. I bet Ava Braun is happy to be away from it, too. The sweet release of death. That's horrible. They're Nazis. It's not that horrible. Okay. Anyway. So, those are more creepy, real-life asterisk stories from history. Uh, hey, I hope mine were real. 
Yeah, you're okay. Mine were real too, and maybe Hitler's micro penis was real too. So, what we're going to be talking about next time that you get to join us, uh, we're going to be going through some uh, some movies that may or may not count as horror movies. Uh, I think you're going to talk about a movie that is not usually considered horror, but you think it does. And I'm going to talk about a movie that is generally lumped together with horror. I'm usually pretty liberal with my classifications <laughs> as far as whether something is whether something's horror or not. But Basically, we're going to debate whether or not it counts as horror. So right. yeah, we'll, yeah. we're going to both present our cases, we'll argue them, and I'm going to try to convince him of my position, he's going to try to convince me, and so um, we're also going to try to convince you, so, you know, whoever wins uh, has to buy the other one a drink. And uh, at this, at the point of this recording, we haven't watched each other's movies yet, so we might even agree. This might be a really short episode. Hopefully not. Hopefully, I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. I can always talk about... Genitalia of tyrants again. <laughs> so I'm gonna be busy next yeah. time you record. <laughs> right. <laughs> just remember, I have uh, to work. Don't worry, we can work around it. I'll just piece together an episode from everything that we've already talked about in this episode and the last one. I'll piece together your dialogue. Alright. I'm sure it'll be seamless. No, we'll notice. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right, I hope you enjoyed my talk again with Violet Church. I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on with me. Uh, I just have a couple of updates for you. Uh, The store is online. It's working, the merch store. Um, You can just go to my website, edwardvillanova.com, and click on the store link there. We have lots of merch, some generic horror movie referential attire, clothes, accessories. We have stickers. We have basically anything you could possibly want to announce your status as a horror fan and a listener of this show if you like want to advertise that. I also have the first video uploaded to YouTube. Uh, there should be a link on the website soon. But you can also just look me up on YouTube. Uh, My channel is Edward Villanova. Pretty easy to find. In other news, as I mentioned before, I had one of my stories accepted by Thieker's Quarterly Fiction's horror anthology, Unsplatterpunk Number 4. And uh, just recently, I also found out that they're going to use the cover art that I designed for uh, that issue. So, awesome. Marvel at my artistic prowess when you gaze upon the glorious cover. Having Violet Church here, I should probably give you a little update on the Liber Monstrorum, the Book of Monsters, and I mean, we're still doing it. I mean, it's still coming along. So uh, I would say we're probably at about the halfway point right now. Uh, We have about half of the monsters um, written about and illustrated. I'd say maybe this time next year, it should be out hopefully sooner than that, but we'll see. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We should have more coming up soon. I have a lot more planned with Violet Church, so she'll be back soon, 
And uh, I'll see you next time. And as always, stay creepy. Thanks for listening. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about or a work of horror you'd like to hear reviewed, be it a movie, book, game, or TV show, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at elvillanova00 at gmail.com. Check out my WordPress site to read more horror and writing topics or to read the rough transcripts of the show. You can find that at edwardvillanova.wordpress.com. Lastly, you can follow me on Twitter at edwardvillanova.com.